Hello and welcome to the Glacier Valley Church of God. Today's podcast was recorded live on Sunday before a full church. If there's anything we can do to bless you, to pray for you, please contact us at 907-789-3605. Glacier Valley Church of God, a place of hope, a place of healing. but I feel it's an unwritten gift of the Spirit that I operate in uh, more than other things. So uh, just bear with me this morning. Uh, I have had a struggle and a half to, uh, to decipher, to discern what the Lord um, has wanted me to share with you all today. And uh, as I was just going over this weekend and seeing, feeling it out and how everything just uh, moved and and how we were flowing in the Spirit. I feel like today's message is for the youth, but I feel like some, uh, some of you others will, will get to dive into those waters um, with us this morning. Um, Friday night, we, we uh, preached, uh, my wife preached on brokenness, and we had a lot of uh, broken things be restored by God on Friday. And last night... We were able to talk about the, uh, the miracle of the young girl being resurrected and the woman with the issue of blood being restored. And we know that last night restoration happened. And this morning, my mission, my assignment is to get you in a place that no matter what the enemy throws against you, you are standing as the brother mentioned earlier, the armor of God, when you've done all things to stand, stand. And it seems repetitive, and it seems that it, it, it's kind of like, you know, okay, I'm standing already, what should I do? Stand. Because the enemy wants a church, it wants a, ge- a generation, it wants young people to sit down, sit back, and stay quiet. But I know that there is a God that is going to roar louder than anything that the enemy can do. The lion of the tribe of Judah is roaring. And when we get the young people, and when we begin to get the church to start moving in that capacity, things are going to shift and things are going to change. Amen. Y'all with me this morning? That was just a precursor. (laughs) Our text today is going to be found in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we're going to look at the verses 45 through 47 and then drop down to 49. Y'all pray with me as I pray over this service. Father, I give it to you. Get me out of the way. Lord, use my voice. Use me as a vessel, Lord God, but get everything out of the way that isn't of you, Lord God, and we put you front and center. God, I pray that you would just operate on this word. You said that your word will not return void, Lord God. And so we just ask that you soften hearts as the worship is done. God, we thank you for the musicians and, and, and the uh, singers, Lord God, that led us into worship to soften our hearts to receive your word. Father, go before us in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Verse 45, then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. Whom you have defied. 
This day, verse 46, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Verse 47, then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. That's just powerful in itself. Verse 49, then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. Now, this is an easily preached message, but I feel like the Lord's given me a little bit of a different direction than what would normally be preached. So just bear with me for a little bit. Now, for some of you that might not know, David was actually looked on as one of the mightiest kings. He is a warrior. He is a poet. He has a a hard side and a soft side, and he is everything in between. But at this moment in time, as we read in the scripture, David was not a king, yet he was anointed to be king. He was a king without a kingdom. He was kind of in this weird place because just a a little bit before what takes place here, he was a shepherd. He was sent out into the fields to watch over his father's flock, and he was was out there and and saw the king of Israel at the time. He was doing some some crazy things, and he he had lost his privilege to be king. So he was not a king with a kingdom. It's kind of crazy how God works with those things, and so... David is out tending to the flock and hanging out and and doing his own business. And Scripture says that a bear came and he slaughtered the bear and a lion came and he slaughtered the the lion and, and he was doing all of this. And I just want to put it aside. Before David could get to the giant, he had a few battles that he had to go through. And so some of you today might be facing a giant and you've seen the goodness of God because you've slaughtered the bear and you've slaughtered the lion and God's not finished yet. He's continuing putting things in our path to show who he is. And I'll get into that in just a second. So David's out doing all these things and the prophet comes by and he says, I've been sent by God to come and anoint the next king here. And so his father, Jesse, was like, yes, here's this one. And he's big and rugged, and he's a man's man. He's like, nah, that's not it. (laughs) Then he's like, okay, okay, I've got another one. And he does this a few times, and and each time the prophet's kind of getting in his mind of like, it's not the one, God. And I know it's not the one, but he's running out of sons. And that's when we get that verse that, that God doesn't look at what man looks at. He looks at the heart. And then so he said, I perceive you have another son. And he's like, oh, he's just out there. Brings him back in. And when he comes back in, God says, that's the one. God can use young people the things that nobody else cares about Amen. to bring revival, to slay the giant, to do all that he wants to accomplish in this world. And so we get to this point that David is anointed king, and so he's, he's walking in this, but not sure how it's going to happen because they have a king on the throne. And then this event happens. The Philistines, they're, 
They, they get on the mountaintop and there's, they're defiling God. They're saying, who is your God? He's done this and this, but we think it's false. We think it's fake. And they're just throwing things out day after day. And the, the army of Israel is on the other side. But the difference is they have a scared king that is not wanting to deal with the issue because he likes how it is right now. That's where the enemy wants us, is, is in a place that we're comfortable with being yelled at. We're comfortable with being talked bad about. We're comfortable with because we're different, we're Christians, but yet we sit back and we just let the enemy roar and roar and roar. So we get to this place that Jesse gets David and says, hey, your brothers are out there fighting. Go take them lunch. And so David goes and he gets lunch. And as he gets there, he hears the shouting, you're no good. Your God is not a God. Your God is weak. Your God doesn't make sense. Why would your God allow this to happen to you? And David gets it in his ear and he's saying, nah. <laughs> Am I hearing what I think I'm hearing? And all the generals and the king, they're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That you're hearing that. <laughs> That's what's going on. And they're hunkering down and they're hiding. And David gets this, who is this Philistine that would defile my God? Man, I feel the presence of God in this place. There is a stirring in the atmosphere. So David gets up and he's like, the king's like, who are you <laughs> that you would do something? And David says, I'm going. I'm going. And his brothers come up and say, nah, nah, you're going to sit back because you can't handle this. That's, that's a giant. That's a literal giant. Nine feet plus. He ain't, you ain't going to dunk on him at all. <laughs> Not in my house, you know. And so he gets this. But David's like, no, I'm going because nobody can talk bad about my God. And so Saul's like, okay, if you're, if you're, if you're a little big for your for your britches, let's, let's do this. Let's give him some of my armor and put that on him. So he gets on it and he walks a few steps and it wasn't made for him. Another aside, somebody else's anointing is not yours. Somebody else's armor is not necessarily for you because there are battles that you're going to face that the armor is different from you than some, from somebody else. So we need to learn how to know when it's not us and know when it is for us. And so David found that out. And so he said, no, no, I'm good. And so he goes and he picks up five stones. That's where enter in what I want to talk about today. My first thing is God will allow situations to rise up to show the world who he is. We look at the atmosphere today and, and we look at what is affecting the young people and the teenagers and the young adults and we're like, well, there's nothing we can do about it. There's nothing. And God has set up situations and, and things so that the church would not cower back like the, the armies of Israel, but will stand up and say, no, God created me in his image. 
God created me to be a warrior. God created me to be a healer in these day and age because it's not by our might nor by our power, but by the Spirit, the prophet says. So we need to begin to to throw off everything that we know and put on God and allow Him to walk in that situation. Y'all with me today? See, the Philistines started seeing the weaknesses. This wasn't just something that happened overnight. It wasn't like the king of the Philistines says, you know what? I think we should invade. It wasn't just a thing that they woke up and said, you know what? This is, they consistently saw Israel begin to weaken and weaken and weaken and let their guard down. And as we begin to weaken and as we get out of the word and out of our movement and prayer, the enemy sees that and says, oh, they're a little bit weaker now. Let's dangle this in front of them. Let's do this. Let's, let's begin to think this way. Let's begin to work their thought process. And our thought process begins to be weakened day in and day out. But see, trials are meant to grow us and prepare us. We see that in James chapter 1. Verse 2 through 4, it says this, My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, is that somebody in the house today? See it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up in you the power of endurance. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. See, rather than cowering down and saying, why is this happening to me, God? Begin to say, I counted all joy because this trial is not going to kill me. This trial is not going to put me down. This trial is going to make me endure. And endurance, you know, weeping may last through a night, but joy comes in the morning. And when joy comes, it's not necessarily what time it is, whether it's a.m. or p.m. Joy and morning comes when you wake up. So it is time for the church to wake up, and that joy will come, and that joy will drive out the darkest night. Give him praise today. He is worthy. We always say, comes off as a cliche usually, we, we preachers roll it off our tongues, but it's like, oh, if the devil's not attacking, then we're not doing what we're supposed to. But the thing about a cliche is it's a cliche for a reason. Because some people have went through some things, and they found out it's true. Some people went through some trials and they found out through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. And my brother Andre Crouch, when he was singing that song, he said, if I didn't have a battle, I couldn't believe that God would bring me through it. That's where we need to get today. As we move forward, God doesn't always use what we think is ideal. So not only are situations up, but he usually uses things that don't make sense. Know how I know that? I'm standing right here in front of you. Because my situation said that I'm not supposed to be here. My situation said that I was supposed to be stuck outside of my family. 
My situation said that, that th- those things that happened to me in my childhood negates what God wants to do in my life now. But oh, there was a man of God and, and the people of God and the church of God that surrounded me and said, no, you are not a product of your circumstances. You are a product of the Most High God. He has created you. He has pushed you into your destiny. And I need somebody to understand that he will use whatever he needs to use to bring his glory. Young people, you are not a product of your situation. It might happen, it might hurt, but listen to me, it can't stop God. God has a plan and a purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans of prosperity. That don't mean that he's going to throw riches on you. But that means that he'll never leave his righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. That's the God. That's the God we serve. So as we see, God doesn't always use what is ideal. We see David and young people, listen, he was a teenager at this point in time. He was a young adult at this point in time. He was anointed to be king. And as I said, he had no kingdom. He was passed over by his whole family. Somebody in here probably had that happen to you. Maybe not once, maybe not twice. I'm a product of that. He was passed over by his whole family until God spoke to the prophet and said, there is one that doesn't look like the others. I might sound like somebody else. I might look like somebody else. But my DNA is different from everybody else's. And when you come into relationship with Jesus and you're grafted into the vine, your DNA changes. You might be a part of a physical family, but you get transferred to the family of God. And with that, you are a joint heir with Jesus. With that, that everything that Jesus did on this earth, you are entitled to have that same power. Jesus says before he went away in John 14, he said two things that I love to preach about. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, but my peace I leave. And that peace can look at the trial, at the circumstance and say, nah, I'm going to stand. That, that peace can say, no, there might be death in my family, there might be situations, there might be, be uh, uh, generational curses that work in my family, but that peace says that it stops with me. That peace says that, and then he says another thing. He says, greater things will you do in my name because I have to go away to prepare a place for you. So as Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession right now for each and every one of you, and as I preach, we're able to do the works of Jesus now in this moment in time. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 through 28 says it this way. But God chose those whom the world considers foolish to shame those who think they are wise. And God chose the puny and powerless and shame the high to shame the high and mighty. He chose the lowly, the laughable in the world's eyes, nobodies, so that he would shame the somebodies. 
For he chose what is regarded as insignificant in order to supersede what is regarded as prominent so that there would be no place for prideful boasting in God's presence. What that scripture is saying that I am the way that I am because the I am said that I am. Y'all with me there? I am the way that I am because the I am says that I am. And he said that I am a minister. He called me a joint heir. He called me to be a son of him. And so I'm able to stand with very little to offer and do the work that he has for us to do. I'm not perfect. Case in point, I knew that this sermon would hit somebody because this morning, me and my wife got into a little disagreement. And you know whose fault it was? Because I get angry over the drop of a hat. I'll be honest with you, because I am not perfect. But yet she exhibits Jesus and gives grace and love even when I don't deserve it. And that's what Jesus wants to do in your life today. He makes it this way so the glory is on him and not on us. We are his ambassadors so that others may see him. Has anybody been through a trial? Is anybody going through a trial right now? Anybody going through some circumstances that you think are just unsurmountable, that you can't get over that mountain, that you've been in the valley too long? This is where I want to get to this moment right now. My last point. God wants to use what you have. We see this, David, it says that he drew five stones from the water, from the riverbed. He was given a sword. He was given weapons of warfare. Scripture says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal in nature. but they're in the spirit to tear down the strongholds of the enemy, that we bind every thought that holds anything in our lives and bring it into the captivity of the knowledge of Jesus. And as I began to to think about what this stone was, why use a stone? I began to think, of the rock of ages. I began to think about the foundation on which we build our trust, our chief cornerstone. I began to think about that stone, the stone that destroyed the giant. And this stone, as I was praying and fasting and seeking God, is significant of the word. Y'all about to go somewhere with me. The enemy wants to make you think you are nothing, but when you have a word, how many need a word today? How many need a word today? Well, I came to bring you the word. 
In John 1 and 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was... I'm going to do that again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was... God was the word. So this stone, as I began to pray and fast, began to put, because the very place that it went when he threw it off was in the forehead. The forehead is right in front of the brain. Everything that the enemy tries to attack you with, it might be your family, it might be these other things, but before he attacks those things, he attacks you. And where does it usually end up? Your mind. And a lot of times in this day and age, and believe me, I'm from the South, and all we hear is the Word, but some people hear the Word, but they don't do the Word because they don't understand the Word. And it's when we understand the Word, when we get in the Word and see what Jesus is, that we begin to stand firm, that we begin to shod ourselves with the gospel of peace. It is when we get in the word and understand the word that we have the breastplate of righteousness, that we can cancel out every attack of the enemy. Let me just go here for someone. I know that someone needs to hear what the word says about the word made flesh named Jesus. In Genesis, Jesus Christ is the bread of life, the breath of life. In Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. Leviticus, he is a high priest. In Numbers, he is the pillar of cloud by day and the fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he is the prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, he is the captain of our salvation. In Judges, he is our judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, he is our kinsman redeemer. In first and second, Samuel, he is our trusted prophet. This is what the word says that Jesus is. You're with me today. In Ezra, in Kings and Chronicles, he's our reigning king. In Ezra and Nehemiah, he is the rebuilder of the broken walls and your life. In Esther, he is Mordecai's courage. In Job, he is our ever-living redeemer. In Psalms, he is our shepherd. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he is our wisdom. In Song of Solomon, he is our loving bridegroom. In Isaiah, he is the Prince of Peace. In Jeremiah, he is our righteous branch. In Lamentations, he is our weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he is the wonderful four-faced man. In Daniel, he is the fourth man like in the fiery furnace. Anybody need a fourth man today? In, in Hosea, he is the faithful hus husband forever married to the backslider, meaning that those that are around you that might be in sin, he's coming for. Prodigals are returning. In Joel, he is the baptizer of the Holy Ghost and fire. In Amos, he is burden bearer. In Obadiah, he is mighty to save. In Jonah, he is our great foreign missionary. In Micah, he is the messenger of beautiful feet. In Nahum, he is our strength and our shield. In Habakkuk, he is God's evangelist crying, revive thy works in the midst of the years. In Zephaniah, he is our savior. In Haggai, he is the restorer of God's lost heritage. In Zechariah, he is the fountain opened in the house of David for sin and uncleanness. And in Malachi, he is the son of righteousness rising with healing in his wings. Do you need healing today? That is the word. Let's go a little further. In Matthew, he is the king of the Jews. In Mark, he is the servant. In Luke, he is the son of man feeling what you feel. In John, he is the son of God. In Acts, he is the savior of the world. In Romans, 
he is the righteousness of God. In 1 Corinthians, he is the rock, the father of Israel. In 2 Corinthians, he is the triumphant one, giving victory. In Galatians, he is your liberty. He set you free. In Ephesians, he is the head of the church. In Philippians, he is your joy. In Colossians, he is your completeness. In 1 and 2 Thessalonians, he is your hope. In 1 Timothy, he is your faith. 2 Timothy, he is your stability. In Titus, he is truth. In Philemon, he is your benefactor. In Hebrews, he is your perfection. In James, he is the power behind your faith. In 1 Peter, he is your example. 2 Peter, your purity. 1 John, he is your life. 2 John, he is your pattern. In 3 John, he is your motivation. In Jude, he is the foundation of your faith. And in Revelation, he is your coming king. He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is the keeper of creation, the creator of all. He is the architect of the universe and the manager of all times. He always was, always is, and always will be unmoved, unchanged, undefeated, and never undone. Come on, somebody. He was bruised and brought healed. He was pierced in his pain. He was persecuted and brought freedom. He was dead and brought life. He was risen and brings power. He reigns and brings peace. The world can't understand him. The armies can't defeat him. The schools can't explain him, and the leaders can't ignore him. Herod couldn't kill him. The Pharisees couldn't confuse him. People couldn't hold him. Nero couldn't crush him. Hitler couldn't silence him. The New Age can't replace him. And science can't explain him away. Y'all with me? Is there faith building in the house? Is there faith building in the house? I want to tell you that he is life, love, longevity, and more. He is goodness, kindness, gentleness, and God. He is holy. He is righteous, mighty, powerful, and pure. His ways are right, and his word is eternal. Amen. His will is unchanging, and his mind is made on me. He is my Redeemer, my Savior, my guide, my peace, my joy, my comfort, my Lord, and He rules my life. That's what the Word of God says. That's what the Word of God says. So when you've done all that you can to stand, stand therefore. Come on, everybody to your feet. Everybody to your feet. I've come to remind somebody, young people, elders and alike, if you know how to pray in the Holy Ghost, I want you to begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. See, the enemy was yelling loud. He was in charge. He was dictating everything that was going on with Israel. But there was a young person. There was a young person that stood up and said, who dare defile my God? And it says that he, that Goliath says, you come at me with this. I come at you. And David said, you come at me with all those things, but all I need is a word. All I need is a word. He grabbed that stone and he slung it and it went right into the giant's forehead. And he let all the Philistine and every enemy of the, of the Lord know that he's protecting the minds of his saints. 
He's protecting His people. And today I want to do something in this altar service. Two things. One, if you've never met the Word, meaning Jesus. I just introduced you to Him the best way that I knew. And there are some people in here that you've been on the fence. I know it. I feel it. And you've not heard what Jesus is to you. But if you need breath, He's the breath of life. If you need healing, He is healer. If you've been broken down, beat down, and can't get back to where you were, He's a restorer. He rebuilds. So the first thing, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in here and you say, this Jesus is pretty awesome on paper, but I don't really know. If you're thinking that, He's here for you today. Listen, I could take a very long time to tell you my testimony, my story. But my testimony is enough saying that I'm here today because my God is Savior and Healer. So today, if, if you've been on the fence or if you've kind of been walking with with Jesus, but you want to give your all to Him today, I want you to look up at me. I see it. 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 Then bow your heads. I see it all. Second thing is, if you're ready... If you've heard those negative things your entire life and you're just ready for breakthrough, you're ready to be David to say, I'm going to shut the mouth of that lion. I'm going to shut the mouth of that bear. I'm going to destroy that giant. If you're ready to do that, I want you to look up at me. I see it. I see it. I see it. I see it. I see it all over this house. This house. Y'all can look up. Can I do so? Can you come here real quick? It's Randy, right? Yeah. Is this okay, Pastor? Saw you the other day working. As a contractor, as a person that fixes things, you see the ugly. And you've got to fix it to make it look good, right? Mm-hmm. Got some things you've tried to hide away, some dust, 
that you've just been sweeping all around. But today, God's wanting to make it beautiful. He's wanting to clean everything. He's ripping down the wallpaper, and he's putting a new thing of paint on. Because of that, when you do things like that, what does it do? It increases the value, right? God's wanting to use you. I see it. I see it. Pastor, would you come? Y'all just stretch your hand up over here to Randy. You've been on the edge for a little while. Time to just jump off. He's going to catch you. He's not going to let you fall. But you got to take that plunge. You got to say, Jesus, I'm ready. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, go and do what only you can do. Father, you see his destiny. You see his calling. Lord God, I just ask right now that you begin to reveal it to him, Lord God. God, that as he dedicates his life to you, Lord Jesus, everything changes. Everything changes. Everything changes. Father God, and while you're at it, just begin to give him that river of living water that will never leave him dry. Not the water that the the world will thirst after, but that living water that gives daily bread, Lord God, that gives that dryness a run for its money, Lord God, that one that flows. Even when I try to stop it up, it flows. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you want something from God, I can't force it. I can't make things happen. But I can say, we said it at the beginning of this thing, what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. So if you need something from God, these waters are, are troubled. These waters are stirred. If you need something from God, young, old, it don't matter. Come now. Come now. Come now. Come now. It don't matter background. It don't matter what you came in here with. I just got to obey God. Just lift your hands and begin to worship Him. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, as we go and pray for those that have, have come forth, Lord God, and those that 
or in the congregation, Lord God, we ask that you just begin to restore, renew, refresh, rejuvenate those, Lord God. You know exactly their, their, their situations, their circumstances, Lord God, but you have raised them up for such a time as this to do the will of God. Father, I just know that Juno will not be the same after this moment in time, not because of anything that me and my wife have come to do, Lord God, but because these people are being stirred to make warfare to lay down things, Lord God, that they have been carrying their whole life, Lord God. God, we ask that if there be any bitterness, Lord God, that you resolve that and make it sweet, Lord God. We ask that one of the hardest things to do is to, to, to give forgiveness. We ask, Lord, that you just break down our facade and allow us, Lord God, those that hurt us, that, that destroyed us, that we may give forgiveness, that we can operate in the fullness of you, Father. God, as we pray, Lord, do a work that only you can do. Go where only you can go. Because it's all your glory. It's all for you. It's all for you. In Jesus' name, we're going to come and pray for you. Thank you for listening to our service. Be sure to catch the video edition of this on either YouTube or Facebook Live. Again, if you need prayer, contact us at 907-789-3605. May God richly bless you in all things.